Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Comment Section. We said to be continued, and we oh. meant it, because yes. here we are, a continuation of the last episode, because we just typically have so much good and positive and nothing negative stuff to talk exactly. about. Exactly. When it comes to our favorite <laughs> things, we like talking about the things we like. Last time, if you didn't hear, I know you listened to it, people. Of course. Yeah, we Paul talked about our upset if you didn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We talked about our favorite um, TV shows, video games, my favorite albums, and uh, of 2023, of course. And this episode, we're going to talk about the big one, uh, the best movies of 2023, in our opinion. I doubt yes. it aligns with a lot of people, but in our opinion, it's not an objective oh, yes. thing, people. Years Let's of doing make this. People upset. <laughs> Yeah, years of doing this, and this is the first time I've ever clarified that these are just our opinions and that you shouldn't take it personally. Except for Paul. Paul? <clears throat> Producer Paul, when he says he loves or hates something, you take that you take that seriously. Yeah, I mean, remember that time I had to, in the darkness of, of my office, in the <laughs> middle of the night, record that what my favorite movies were? Yes. Um, he was Do not remember. happy about that. He was just like... <laughs> gotta do it now 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 yeah was that last year where glass onion was and bar oh yeah glass onion you know what's funny i would switch that now barbarian is my favorite movie of that year i think i think i said glass onion then barbarian i'd flip that anyway uh things are always bound to change people are fragile um like putty in your hands Yes. Now, we, I think we should probably should give a disclaimer. We are recording this episode on December 6th. Mm-hmm. So there are still some movies that will come up. But let's be honest. Aquaman 2 is not going to be. Oh, I, was trying to, I was trying to think of even what you would. Yeah, I'm not. I'm, I'm personally not worried about any movies that have yet to come out. You know, I've noticed <laughs> we're like December. When is we're at December 6th, so the 22nd would be... How far away is that? 18 days or whatever. We're, we're very close. And um, they put out a little one-minute trailer, and it feels like they just kind of gave up. I don't know. It's like, here, well... Yeah. Look, everyone knows this movie's apparently a train wreck. Oh, no. At one time, we had <laughs> Michael Keaton and Ben Affleck as Batman, and now there's no Batman. Uh-oh, yeah. Well, still want to um, see that footage. Let's uh, let's hope it's at least entertaining. Yes, you know, I mean, in a way, it kind of doesn't matter because for me, the DCEU kind of like how the MCU was the story of Captain America, Iron Man, and um, Hulk. The DCEU was the story of Batman, Flash, and Wonder Woman, and now their story's wrapped up. Mm-hmm. It's it's done. It's kind of just. Yeah epilogue yeah yeah the, that aquaman movie wasn't even on my radar so let's not talk about that let's talk about our favorite movies but maybe yes. our least favorite because yes because even though i don't think i have any um yeah i racked my brain i don't remember a movie that i strongly disliked that came out this year that i saw this year um, well, lucky you. So, 
I'm very curious. I, I'm always interested to hear about the awful <laughs> things that you subject yourself to. Yes, the horribleness <laughs> that I had to sit through yes. this year. Now, I don't remember how many I had last year, but it, I guess it says something that of this year, I only have a list of two. Yeah, okay. Yes. Yeah, I mean, that's a good sign. Only two bad movie experiences. Yes. And my number two worst movie of the year. Now, I know it's your favorite genre of movies. Mm-hmm. And I thought that we were going to have a new horror classic. Actually, I didn't because I knew it was going to be released by Disney. Oh. Oh. And you know what? You know there are certain things you always got to follow in life. And that's that live action Disney movies are quite terrible unless they're a remake of a cartoon. And this boy was this bad. It is. Now my number two worst movie of the year is haunted mansion. Yeah, that was my guess. That's right. Now it, it was advertised as a true horror movie, right? They were just like, you know what? The Eddie Murphy version. That was a comedy. We here we're doing real horror. I didn't know about that. I didn't know that they were claiming that. I know that the director of this new one just trashed the Eddie Murphy movie. (laughs) And people were just like, all right, yeah, we're going to get real horror from the mouse house. Wow. And when I'm watching it, I'm just like, yeah, real horror. But isn't something supposed to happen? (laughs) Because besides, it, it has all this stupid, dumb uh, Disney live action comedy of oh it's super clean and not offensive to anybody which means it's not really jokes it's just unfunny riddles mm-hmm. it's just but my god nothing happened in this movie I mean the first <clears throat> like two acts no ghosts it's just them sitting in a room and oh look a chair is moving by itself oh look yeah these walls are stretching by the way it, it felt like they kind of went backwards where you have a story and you throw in some Easter eggs. This felt like, all right, here's our list of Easter eggs. Build a story around that. Yeah, I have to hit all the points. And it just, I mean, I was, a, look, it was live action Disney, so I knew it was going to be bad. But I didn't expect it to be boring. This is, yeah. I mean, it is tough to sit through because... I mean, it's them in a room and like nothing happens. You're just like, shoot. Uh, can, 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 wh- where's a ghost? Where is the ghost? Show me one oh, ghost. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. yeah. Like, I don't remember the ride at Disneyland being this boring. Yeah. Like, it just, and but I love the uh, Disney parks ride. It's one of my favorites. Yeah. But, it's like uh, my favorite dark ride ever. Yeah. It just, wow. Haunted Mansion, it was... Uh, you know what? I'll take the Eddie Murphy movie that the director trashed so much. You know why? <laughs> because something actually happens. Yeah, there's, there's at least like a joke stuff in happening. it. Yeah. That's yes. too bad. Like, uh, this was something... I never expected this to be good, and it's like why I didn't see it, but like, it was something I at least hoped would be good because it's a really cool, like, IP, I guess. Like, it, it's a really... Like the ride, the ride is awesome. It has like a mystique to it that would make a really good movie, but they've just never done it. Well, they kind of, I mean, they kind of did it twice now, but well, I mean, they've never succeeded at, in my opinion, capturing what makes the ride special. 
As yeah, a I mean, kid, I guess because I was a dumb kid, I did like the Eddie Murphy one. But I guess the best version we have is the Muppet parody they did. Oh, a few years ago. Didn't know about that. Yeah. Um. But yeah, Haunted Mansion. It's who? It's a. It's a tough one to sit through. Wow. Well, I'm curious what your number one is then. Yes, my number one, the worst movie of the year. Boy, did I leave the theater with so much regret. Just oh, being no. like, oh my God, what did I do? Um, you know, for anyone who ever has listened to this show, you know I love the superhero genre. Love it to death. I love Batman, love Superman, love Spider-Man. Oh, I, I think I know. All. Except there's always been one superhero yeah, I never liked. I know what this is. And that is Shazam. Now, a little bit of backstory. I had no interest in ever watching the first live-action Shazam movie. But then, you know, once I knew the DCEU was coming to an end, not very excited to the upcoming era we have. Uh, rooting, hoping for the best, but kind of... Um, I'm not excited for it. There's been a few red flags. We'll actually talk about red flag coming up soon, but uh, <laughs> um, so I was just like, all right, it's the one of the last DCEU movies. Fine, I'll pop it on and watch it. And I, I couldn't believe the first Shazam movie is one of the DCEU's best movies. <laughs> um, it is actually great. Now, to be fair, the character in the movie is a bit different from the comics. Mm-hmm. And I just, I just couldn't believe what I was watching. I was just like, "Oh my god!" And I knew they got me when the in the first movie, uh, Billy's on a quest to find his mother, and he finds his mother because she, um, he got separated her from um at a park, and um, he later finds her. That's his big quest because he wants to be with his mom again. And then you find out his mom intentionally abandoned him. At the park because you couldn't raise him and and th- I, I I hate this character. I was like, no, Billy, no. <laughs> yeah. Then, um, like he goes because he lives with a foster family. He when he leaves his mom, he's like, I'm gonna go see my real family. And then he gets a phone call from the bad guy about how he's holding his foster family hostage. And then you just and then he goes to the roof. And I was just like, I can't believe I'm doing this, but here it comes, here it comes, and he runs. It's the classic superhero thing. He's like, here it comes. And he goes, Shazam. And then the lightning strikes and he becomes <laughs> Shazam. So I, w- so I was like, oh, my God. I can't believe that I'm actually looking forward to a new Shazam, or as yeah. he was called, Captain Marvel movie. Um, but Oh, yeah. By the way, both 2019 and 2023, we have both Marvels and DC's Captain Marvels mm-hmm. in new movies. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, and Shazam Fury of the Gods is a perfect reminder of why I hate this character. <laughs> yeah, He was so irritating. I couldn't stand it. The story was stupid. The only character who really felt like he had a story was um, his friend Freddy. But, I mean, it was truly awful. There was... Oh my god. There is a scene where the family... Needs to help Shazam. And what 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 is their solution? They're going to get freaking unicorns. And Darla, the little girl, has written a story or some crap. I, I was just like the whole time. I was like, oh, my God, what have I done? Why did I waste my time coming? Yeah. The first one was um, a ruse 
to get about you to how um, unicorns love Skittles. How does that make any sense? I don't know. But there's literally a scene where she throws a bunch of Skittles at the unicorns and says, it's the rainbow. And I was like, what the hell is this? <laughs> I couldn't believe it. it was so bad that God help me. I was literally game, going like, can Shazam just die so I can go home? Can he just <laughs> die so I can go home? And then the movie gods heard me because then he did die. And I was so happy that he finally died. I finally <laughs> got to see that pleasure on screen. At least it was worth something. Yes. And then <laughs> I won't. Do I want to say the movie did get better once he died? Yes, it did. Because then Wonder Woman showed up to revive yeah. him. Yeah. I was just like, okay, finally, a real superhero. Not this <laughs> stupid Shazam character. But um, it is, without exaggeration, one of the worst superhero movies I've ever seen. Wow. It is, it is down there with James Gunn's Suicide Squad as like the worst of the DCEU. Wow. I know a lot of people like that Suicide Squad movie. I thought it was awful, but uh, but I was still by the Blu-ray because Wonder Woman was in it. So I guess that's something to sit through, you know, because uh, Wonder Woman was like one of my top three favorite DCEU characters. But yeah, it was awful. And the whole time, I you know, after the whole Batgirl cancellation, I was like, really? You you canceled Batgirl when you put this crap out. I'm like, yeah, there's no way Batgirl was worse than this. Yeah, there's no way. This is truly awful. And um, it flopped at the box office. So there will probably never be another Shazam movie. And the world is better for it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like we were talking about earlier this year. This is what you <laughs> expected the first one to be. Exactly. <laughs> He's so irritating. Yeah, it's just it's so. Oh. Yeah, well, I won't be seeing that. Yeah, but I do but, recommend the. First yeah, I might. One. I, I might really watch great. the first one. Yeah, um, that's another thing I never thought I'd say on this show. <laughs> yeah, recommending Shazam. Yes. Wow. So those are the two. Yeah, those were the two. And now we get to talk about our best movies of the year. Yeah, yeah. We should be uh, relatively positive from here on out. Unless the yes. other hates the movie that we're talking about. But <laughs> yes. doubtful. Yes. So now, how how long is your list? Because I have seven. Um, I, uh, I'm trying to see if I even have like an honorable mention. No, just have five. Okay, well... I guess I can do my first two and then we can jump back and forth. Yeah. Unless you're... you have an honorable mention that comes to mind during yeah, this. But, uh, if one comes to mind, maybe. But yeah, I go do your first two and then maybe we'll do a coin flip or something. Oh, yes. I don't yeah. know if I I don't know if I I might have mm. lost the coin, but uh, uh, do I have a die or anything? Uh, I'll find something. But uh, yeah, go ahead. Right. And uh, that's a good sign that you have like you know, a fair amount of movies. Uh, yes. Seven movies. Yes. So my number seven movie of the year is a movie that I didn't think I was going to see, but then I did. And I guess it's a good, and I wasn't alone because it became the biggest movie of the year. And that movie, my number seven best movie of the year is Barbie. <laughs> That's <laughs> nice. right. Um, now, I had to say, I didn't think the trailers for this movie were very good. I thought it looked corny and stupid. 
And I just went because I was like, well, everyone's talking about Barbenheimer. So mm -hmm. I guess I'll go see Barbie. I skipped. I didn't go see Oppenheimer. Yeah. But um, I went to go see it. And you know what? For a movie that was advertised where it looks really stupid and dumb, the script was actually pretty smart. Like, it does take a bit to get used to the style of comedy that it is because it is over the top and there's moments that are meant to be cheesy. But once you kind of like adjust your brain, it really works. And it's a really smart script. And, you know, I do think we got to shout out like, um, you know, you have like comic book movie adaptions where you can adapt like comic books or you have um, like book adaptations with Barbie. You're kind of left on your own. There's not yeah. like this bat big backstory, at least that I know of. I don't That's think they true. have like backstories on the box or whatever. Yeah. But um, it was, and they had a really great story about Barbie coming to the real world. And Margot Robbie was great as Barbie. Ryan Gosling was great as Ken. Actually, Ryan Gosling's Ken might be the standout. But um, they did a really great job of playing these kind of, these over-the-top yet naive characters without it looking stupid. Like, it, it really does teeter that line where, this is smart, but if you go, if you lean a little too much, it could become really stupid. Yeah. But it really worked. Um, Will Ferrell was great as the CEO of Mattel, and Mattel, <laughs> they let him get away with making fun of them <laughs> in this movie. Yeah. And um, I have to shout out because I don't know if she gets enough like praise, but America Ferreira plays um, the mother of Barbie's owner. And she is the one that really grounds the movie, like kind of like Jim Halper in The Office. Like you have these big characters like Michael Scott and Dwight Schrute and Jim yeah. is really the one that grounds it. She really did a great job of grounding the movie. And the set designs in Barbie Land look really cool. Like you're just like, wow, they really went all out making it look like a playhouse. And by the way, my sister collected Barbies. And there was an Easter egg to my favorite thing she ever had, which was the pooping dog, which um, eventually they had to recall because a bunch of stupid kids were eating the, the magnets. Oh, no. Which, you know, kids ruin everything. But, yeah, uh, of course. You know what? I, I was four. I was never dumb enough to stick to try to swallow magnets. But yeah, here we are. But um, I just I couldn't believe it. It's um. It's a really good movie. It comes out on Max soon. So, um, but although most people have seen it because it is the number one movie of the year and um, it'll probably get nominated for Best Picture. And um, it's it's a really good movie. So, yeah. Uh, Greta Gerwig, who wrote it, I think she co wrote it and directed mm -hmm. um, did a really good job. And I think she's doing the Snow White live action. Well, she's not directing it, she co wrote the script for the upcoming live action snow white movie so that's something to look forward to cool so yeah my number yeah. seven barbie <laughs> cool yeah people always preface this movie to me when they say they like it but like honestly it looks really good i haven't seen it but i actually do get why it's good it looks really good to me oh yes so um i guess i'll go into my number six one then now my number six is a movie I was super hyped for. 
it was for me it was a race between <clears throat> this and another movie as like my most anticipated movie of the year mm-hmm. and that is spider-man across the spider-verse now to give a little context now that we are coming up to the five-year anniversary for me spider-man into the spider-verse is the best superhero movie of the past five years like i love that movie so much i I agree yes and i was so hyped for this movie and overall spider-man across the spider-verse i know there are gonna be some people upset that out of all the movies that put at number six which (laughs) guys come on number six out of whatever this yeah it's pretty good it's not like it's in the shazam category yeah i honestly i I, sometimes your opinion changes a little bit and there was part of me that was like do you hate this movie now is it possible but i'm glad (laughs) to see it's you know in the best of yes um overall it's good Mm -hmm. i i'll i won't bury the lead i was disappointed with it but overall it's good um, uh, to be honest, I do think it's crazy when I hear people say it's better than the first one. I'm like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> but um, you know, it's all subjective. If you like it more, good for you. I still like mm-hmm. it, but it's just yeah, kind of lower tier. But um, yeah. the stuff with Miles now, um, the stuff with have you seen it? Do I have to worry uh, about spoiling anything? I, I have seen it now. Okay, um, so I don't have to worry about yeah. spoiling yeah, anything. Yeah, I, I, I know everything that happens. Yeah. Okay, so... Oh, yeah, spoilers for Cross... I mean, we should say... There's spoil. There's... I guess assume there's spoilers for all these movies unless yes. I say I'm not going to spoil it too much. Okay, which yes. sometimes I'll do, but... I mean, I guess if it's out at home video now, it doesn't matter anymore, but... Uh, yeah. Yeah, so... um. Let, let's talk about the positives first before I kind of talk about like kind of like my biggest issue with the movie. Um, the stuff with Miles and his parents is is really good. Um, it felt like classic Marvel, you know, like the the hero kind of juggling both both being a superhero and um, and you know their personal lives. Um. So that was great. It was nice to see how Miles has kind of like grown into being Spider-Man in his universe. Um, the relationship with Gwen and Miles was great to see again. Oscar Isaac as Spider-Man 2099. Spider-Man 2099 was like the character I felt was a bit missing in the first one. Like he's in the post credit scene, but as much mm-hmm. as I love the first one. I was always like, what would have been the one addition I would have liked? I've been like, eh, Miguel Hero would have been nice. <laughs> but um, yeah, he's there. And he they actually did a really good job with him. There's only like one new character in this movie I didn't like. Um, <clears throat> Peter B. Parker, my favorite movie, Spider-Man. Boy, was it great to see him again. And now he's got a little baby Mayday. Yeah. <laughs> that was great. That's and awesome. actually seen... Peter B. Parker back makes his arc in Spider-Verse in the first Spider-Verse movie even better. Yeah. Like it adds to it. It was great to see Jake Johnson is always great as Peter B. Parker. Um, once they got into like the um once Miles met with Miguel and they were in the 
like that one area where all the Spider-Verse characters are and mm-hmm. they're talking about like canon events. That's when I felt the movie really started to pick up. Mm-hmm. And um, they introduce a very like interesting conundrum or problem for Miles that deal- to deal with. And I got to say this, which I can say now. There was one cameo that I kind of heard about beforehand because the actor kind of teased it. Mm-hmm. And now, for those of you who've seen it, you know that the PlayStation Spider-Man pops up in the movie, which was cool to see. Although it was before I played the game, so it didn't mean as much at the time. But yeah, but and this is kind of like like there's a little bit of backstory. We see. Josh Keaton Spider-Man from the spectacular Spider-Man animated series pop up. And that was really great to see because to be honest, I feel like he kind of got a little screwed over before because I mean, this is like just a little bit of backstory spectacular Spider-Man. The reason it got canceled was because Sony gave up the animation the television rights to Spider-Man to sub back to Disney. I think it was so they can keep merchandising stuff, but that spectacular Spider-Man show was owned by Sony. So legally there wasn't a way for them to like continue it. Either, yeah. Either Disney or Sony, unless they like work together, yeah. which they are now. So now there's really no excuse for why there's not, it's not back, but mm-hmm. a few years later on Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes, um, they brought back Josh Keaton to voice Spider-Man in that show, which for a lot of people was super exciting because even though it wasn't the same version, it kind of was. <laughs> so we were going to get closure. And then the episodes aired, but it wasn't Josh Keaton. It was Drake Bell. And people were like, what? And then Josh Keaton did confirm on Facebook that he did record those episodes and he was like looking forward to seeing them but you know being the professional he's just like oh well just that parker luck sometimes <laughs> and everyone was upset because how do i say this drake bell is not a good actor he's an even worse human being as we found yeah. out but mm. he's a terrible actor <laughs> by the way hashtag release the keaton cut <laughs> <laughs> but um and there was joe casada who's like He's a big guy at Marvel, or I think he still works at Marvel. He's like an artist and he's like their chief creative officer. And overall, I, you know, he's a bit of a controversial figure. I think he's a great, he's a great artist. But he said, um, someone asked him why did um, they replace Josh Keaton with Drake Bell? And he said, well, you know, we had the Ultimate Spider Man cartoon and you didn't want to confuse the kids, which was, how do I say this? A bullcrap answer because. Yeah. You had different Iron Man actors, different Captain America actors. Why did they do it? Well, the simple reason was because A, they wanted to promote their crappy Ultimate Spider-Man cartoon. And B, I'll I'll just say, I think it was Disney being petty because no one liked their crappy Ultimate Spider-Man cartoon. So just like, well, this is what you got. And we have, you know, that those episodes are a bit tainted, but it was nice to see Josh Keaton back in a movie. Mm-hmm. The and um, if that's the last time you ever play Spider Man, what a way to go out! Mm-hmm. And okay. um, again, the the cliff, the last few minutes, like I'd say from the can event until like the end credits, 
are great. Yeah. So there are two issues I have with the movie. One is um, overall, I thought Spot was a terrible villain. He's not interesting. He's not funny. He's just corny and dumb. And the bagel thing was just like, really, guys? Really? And I found out that was an idea yeah. of our old friend Dan Slott, who, um, well, overall, not my favorite writer. Does does put out some good stuff. Overall, not my favorite writer. Um, but my biggest issue with the movie was, I think it was a mistake to break it up into two parts, because boy. They got some. Does this have some pacing issues? Because I was just like, man, this is taking a while. And then it starts to pick up, and I had this singing feeling, like, oh god, movie's coming to an end, isn't it? And maybe it's just me because I watch trailers a lot. Mm -hmm. But once the movie ended, I was just like, there's nothing in this movie that I didn't already know from the trailers. Like when you look at the trailers, it really yeah. did tell you everything that happened in this movie. You know, Miles struggling with being Miles and Spider-Man reuniting with Gwen, you know, spider society. There's a canon event that he wants to stop. Fights uh, Miguel O'Hara finds out that, um, and we have the return of Peter Parker. It, I mean, I was excited for what it was setting up. Mm hmm. There was nothing new I got from this. Everything about the story I already knew from the trailer. So I was like, that's it? I mean, gotta wait. Well, at the time, we thought it was gonna be next year, but now it's been taken off the release calendar. So like, oh yeah, really? We gotta wait for the story I wanted to see? I wanted to yeah. see what it was I was building to, not an extended version of the trailer. And yeah. it's just like... Uh, and look, it, maybe it also doesn't help too that like, look, let's be honest. Because of how badly Marvel's butchering it, everyone's pretty kind of over multiverse stuff, and mm -hmm. this really leaned heavily into it, which you know a lot of people liked. But I was just like, I found myself getting a little irritated by it. Which yeah. I mean, it's not the maybe if it had been released like before, like Doctor Strange and all that, but it's just it's it's getting a little irritating. But um, overall, that's like my big thing was um, boy, like I was excited to see what it was like. The trailers were setting up a really good story, and it felt like I just watched an extended thing of the trailer, and I didn't really gain anything that I didn't have. Yeah, from the <laughs> trailers. Yeah, but well, yeah, it's I, I it, um. I don't know if you had anything else to say, but it's good to hear you at least like yeah. it because I think when I initially, without having seen it myself and hearing some of your initial thoughts, I couldn't tell whether you like hated it or something. But I, oh, I, no, get, I like I get, it. I get why I get your um your I get your complaints with it a lot, actually. Yeah. But like once it once um you get to the canon events, like <clears throat> once Peter Parker shows up. Until like you're he's in the world with the alternate miles, it th that part's great. Mm -hmm. That that is the part where I'm like, oh my god, this is this is great. It's just it drags a little bit, and then there's that sinking feeling of I knew everything about this movie ahead of time. <laughs> yeah, um, I guess I I can 
talk about it now since we're talking about it. Since I finally have seen this and have thoughts about it. And when we yes. had an Did episode, you watch it on Netflix or? Yeah, I didn't okay. watch it until it was on Netflix. Um, so vibes based i think that if we were to each rate it i probably like it more than you i really like this movie interesting though now that i'm hearing your issues with it again with the context of actually understanding what you're talking about i think that the issues i did have it are very similar actually um so first of all i actually agree that i think it's kind of crazy to think that this is better than the first one the first oh, one's yeah. like a perfect movie to me. Oh, I love that movie so much. <laughs> but if that's a 10, I could see this being a nine. I get it. Like, but I don't think it's as good as the first one. Um, but in a way, I I can forgive that in the sense that like once it started getting towards the end and I realized like, oh, oh my gosh, there's they can't finish the story. <laughs> Wait a second. Yeah. I, I realized that like, this is like a two towers, like the Lord, the Lord of the Rings. Cause the Lord of the Rings is one story in three movies. And, uh, I don't know. The first one has an ending that, you know, kind of makes sense as an ending. The third one is like a, an hour and a half of just ending an epilogue. Um, so it's an amazing ending that wraps everything up. The second movie, despite, a lot being a lot of people's favorite movie you can't watch it on its own really no. um the the movie truly just kind of ends um <laughs> but i i don't know that i've ever just watched the two towers i watch the whole trilogy i've just watched the fellowship of the ring before but i've never just watched the two towers because then it's it's like okay they're still on the way to that <laughs> mountain doom they're walking and we're going to to be continued and they're going to keep walking and uh <clears throat> like that movie has helm's deep which is an amazing battle an amazing like centerpiece for sort of the end of the movie but it really isn't anywhere near the finale and it kind of made me feel like this feels like I can't even have a totally complete opinion about it yet because it's not the it's nowhere near the end of the story. Like that is true. Yeah. I don't. I I, ju I just don't even feel like I saw a whole movie. Um, and what I saw was really really great, but it depends so heavily on how good the last one is. Yeah. If the last one is bad, I don't think this is that good anymore. And if the last one is great, I think that it could make this one better. Yeah. In in fact, I could. I, if the last one is like a ten out of ten, this nearly. I definitely think that it would improve my opinion about this a lot. Um, <clears throat> because then you can watch them as a either the duology of just those or as a trilogy, and it would be a great yeah. trilogy. Um. Uh, so that just made it kind of difficult for me to feel like I have a complete opinion on it. Although one thing I will say, I, this could be the single, like most beautiful looking, like animated movie I've ever seen in my life. Oh, like, the animation style is great. Especially which, when you look at how like the worlds have like different animation styles. Yeah. Like there were scenes towards the beginning when like Gwen is talking to her dad and stuff. I'm just like. I genuinely thought like this is like Renaissance art. Like it's like, it's so unbelievably beautiful. 
Like it looks it, very like kind of <laughs> like um like self published graphic novel kind of. That's how I kind yeah. of yeah. Like it's so creative and like I'm just thankful that there's a you know movie in a studio like doing something this creative with like 3D animation. Um, uh, like this movie should be in a if like if the movie was worse, it should at least be in a museum. Like, <laughs> so there is that. Um, I thought most of the plot lines and the main parts of the story were near flawless to me. I thought it was amazing. Spider-Man. And, oh, yes. um, who we see in here, we see Andrew yeah, and, uh, Tony. I like, I like the depth that it gave a lot of the characters. Like it makes me like miles even more. It makes me like Gwen even more. It makes me like his parents even more. And like you said, the way, um, Peter B Parker, like that makes me like him even more with the new context. Um, and so all that's great. And I, I specifically even agree that it picked up when they got in the whole, uh, when they were explaining the Canon events and yeah. they were in with all the other Spider-Men, uh, which that was the point where even though it was multiverse and there's a lot of stuff going on, it just kind of worked because the couple complaints that I have that even if the third movie isn't, or even if the third movie isn't is incredible and it enhances enhances this movie, the couple complaints that I have that are just never going to be fixed really is one the first like third of it I guess was I mean you almost called it as like too long but I would to me it was like too much time of too much quickness. Like I thought that it was jumping around too much and there was like dialogue overlapping, overlapping dialogue, switching scenes, just everything was happening so quickly to make shove all this stuff in. And because it felt so rushed, it bothered me a lot when there were entire chunks, like multi-minute long chunks of unnecessary filler. Oh there are yeah. Two scenes in particular that the movie would be almost up an entire point if they removed those two scenes. And they are the Lego scene. Why is that in the movie? <laughs> Why? Is it all those toys? Like, <laughs> like I know it's just it, I was taken out of the movie for an ad. Like I just <laughs> that that's the worst scene by far. It's not even offensive and like it like it's not like it was horribly unfunny. Did or you know like, a fourteen year old kid animated that? Okay, that's impressive. I take they it. They found that. like he made like um he made like a Lego version of one of the trailers and then they had him animate that scene with that's Legos. really that's really cool actually. I knew there was something I had to <laughs> I felt like I was missing something. <laughs> like I like what is the rel it, it was such just an ad. It was so weird to me. But the other thing, I I, I don't know. I, I don't love the live action being thrown into the, an animated movie that much. Yeah, I don't uh, like that either. I, I kind of wish they would have just animated Toby and Andrew when they yeah, were... Yeah, or even the Donald Glover cameo. Like, yeah. I really thought it was cool to see Donald Glover. It was kind of funny, but like... I feel like um, Roger Rabbit. And yeah. they did the Venom, the lady from the Venom movies too. Oh, yeah. Um, but the one that they should have absolutely just cut is the one where the spot... Uh, goes and talks to some lady. 
that yeah that's you know the, what i mean yeah the live action lady oh i, I don't know who is who is that that's mrs chen from the um the venom movies oh yeah i see i i i clearly was and missing some context on both of these that took me out of it um that, but regardless of that context, I still think that scene seems kind of cheesy. Yeah, I will say though, I don't think I agree that Spot is a bad villain necessarily. Um, he's a little like you know, annoying and dorky. Like, I, I guess I prefer that to someone who's being an overly serious, menacing villain in a cliche way. Um, there's something interesting about him that seems different. And I think one of the biggest things is because of your complaints, I almost expected him to be a bigger part of the movie. I don't even feel like he's really even that big of a part of the movie. To me, um, it's, he feels so corny that I have a hard time believing he's an actual threat. That That's true, but I, I, I think it could be cool in the third one if it's like it almost leads you into a false sense of security. Am I hearing something? Okay. Um, yeah, it almost leads you into a false sense of security, which there's something to that. Um, so I kind of I kind of like the character. Um and I think I kind of remember you hinting at how you thought that the bagel thing was stupid. And when that when I saw that, I was like, oh, I think that was something that he didn't like. But um my interpretation wasn't that that was his motivation but that it was just a little Easter egg and that his real motivation was really just that he got completely physically annihilated because of miles. Um, that the bagel was just kind of a shoehorned in show. I, I thought it was more just like a corny Easter egg that felt unnecessary. Yeah, I guess it was just kind of a one-off thrown in joke that I didn't take with that much weight. Like, it wasn't like um, Mysterio. Oh, right. That one was yeah. bad. Because it wasn't like, I'm getting revenge because he threw a bagel at me. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. it, 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 was, it wasn't that. It was like he genuinely got his entire life ruined. And in, 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 in reality, it's not really because of Miles. Like, it was incidental. If anything, but, it was Kingpin's fault. Exactly. Like um, he's misplacing blame, but I understand the motivation a lot, actually, because his entire life was ruined and I would be terrified to live in that body. So um, I get it. Um, But yeah, I didn't find the main like heart of this story to be like it relied on how good this villain was. Um. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, the, really, the heart of it is like Miles. It starts with Miles and his parents, Miles and Gwen, and then kind of the situation of like he's supposed to let his father die. Yeah, um, I would. Yeah, those three things all make this movie really fantastic to me on their own. Like those, those, the writing of of that all shines so brightly that. It, it kind of overshadows any negative thoughts that I have about the movie. They just, there's little gripes that I just kind of wish they would have considered in a almost two and a half hour animated movie where um, it's already paced a little oddly because you have to fit in so much that you dedicate so much time to these things and that you could have 
yeah, I don't know, ease this in at the beginning a little more. Um, but yeah, it's it's nitpicks. Um, yeah, I think that the central like dilemma of like going against destiny and like questioning that that's something I've always been really fascinated by as a concept is like kind of not doing what you're told as like an act of resistance and an act of good to not just assume that people always know what they're talking about. Like that's, uh, I, I do like that conundrum that like, like it feels on one end, like the brave thing to do would just be to accept the reality and that bad things happen with the good. Like you understand what uh, Miguel O'Hara is saying. Like it it makes sense, but at the same time it makes sense. But is this really necessary? Like, is this, is this have you really like exercised every route? Like, um, so that feels very Spider-Man slash Miles Morales is to kind of go on a journey of discovery to, to, you know, figure out what the right thing to do is. Um, uh, so I just loved that whole part of the story more than anything else. Um, so yeah. Um, those are my thoughts. Yeah. I was one thing I am a little worried about is that um because they broke it up into two parts when I think they showed just made it one, is that like this third one might just be all payoff and like less plot. That's like mm-hmm. a concern I have. Um, I don't know. You know what really sucks? Now we don't know when the next one's coming out. Just yeah. Oh yeah, that was the other thing I was gonna say. Is the Lord of the Rings movies came out each year, like yeah. two thousand one, two thousand two, two thousand three. You just had to wait a year. Now it's like we can hope two years, like the, at best, probably. Like to have it a was cliff- supposed to be in March. Yeah, to have a cliffhanger and have it be over a year and a half or something. That's 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 rough. Yeah, especially a big one like that. Yeah, like truly one of the biggest just straight up cliffhangers I've seen in a movie in a long time. Yeah. Like like just not ending the story. Like you rarely see that anymore. Like Infinity War is one of the most recent examples I can think of. Yeah. Um and yeah. those two came out a year yeah, apart. Yeah, those also just a year apart. Um so but it is a big story. I wouldn't want it to feel rushed, but now there's just so much pressure for the last one to be really good. Yeah. So, yeah. There we go with yeah. Spider-Man across and that the was Spider-Verse. So, um, I actually... Um, let's see. I actually... I got some here. Share this tab. Do you see a die? I do see a die. Dice D20. <laughs> I decided uh, this is the only coin I can find. So, oh, okay. um, do you want to be odds or evens? I'll be odds. Interesting. Yeah, that's my version of tails. I usually pick odds, but I get you get to choose. So, all right. Evens. Oh, well. 10. There we go. How many is it? 20? 
things. Yeah, I use a 20 sided die, <laughs> like is often used in DD for fun. Um, so, uh, 10, I guess I'll go first then. Oh, yes. Which does give you the big finale, but. Oh, I do get the big finale. Yes. All right. So, my top five favorite movies of 2023. All these are really good. Um, so, my number five is a movie. Well, I guess this is a movie that I think is just. It's good. It's good. <laughs> it's, it, is, it is good. It's, it's good. We're, we're talking seven out of ten range here, man. That's yes. good. Um, but, um, I didn't expect it to be anything mind blowing because, uh, they're playing it safe with a particularly big franchise that I talked about a lot. Last I think I know what this is. It's super Mario brothers movie. There it is. So this is, you know, clearly a movie made for children, but I, man, that does look a lot like the game design or at least the images you showed. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's 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 really good. Um, uh, yeah, it's pretty straightforward. I don't even feel like I have a whole lot to say about it. It was just kind of cute and charming, and I'm a big Mario fan. There is lots of you know, good you know you saw you saw all the things you needed to see. Um, probably the standout character is Jack Black as Bowser. Great <laughs> character um that's what i heard a lot too yeah uh bowser's great in this um uh yeah that that whole that whole part is is hilarious um i still think they probably should have chosen someone who wasn't chris pratt to voice mario (laughs) Uh, my worries about that initially were not necessarily like relieved uh but it's ignorable. It's it's just so nothing. Like he isn't he just, the original voice retiring. Yeah, he's officially retiring. One some game coming out soon or recently, I forget, is his last game. Charles Martinet, I think. Um, who's who's great. Um, but yeah, this um, this is a good movie. A good. I I am a big fan of a movie that is like starting one place ending up in another place and meeting all the thing all the people you meet along the way uh peewee's big adventure style that's my that's my framework for what this type of movie is it's really just like the classic like 12 step uh whatever story there's like a literary people have analyzed this type of story but it's pixar does it a lot it's just like this you're taking on an adventure starting at home and then going far, far away from home and, uh, but not far from home. No, God, no, Oh no, <laughs> but far, Point far away from home that. <laughs> and all the people you meet along the way. I love stories like that. Um, and that's basically what this is. Um, and you're meeting like a lot of the, you know, you meet Donkey Kong, you meet uh, some, yeah, some Mario Canon characters. And, uh, it's also kind of interesting like it is like mario and luigi are just actual plumbers from new york uh, brooklyn or whatever <laughs> and they get swept up in this world uh so that's interesting um 
they don't usually ever acknowledge that in the video games. So it's kind of interesting that they stuck with that for the movie. They just live in wherever Mario Land is or whatever. Yeah, this is never addressed. They just kind of <laughs> are there. Um, and I, I love the Mario Bros. commercial that the movie kind of opens with. That It's <laughs> rad. Um, so, yeah, great. A big year for Mario. Yes, it was. That was a, so we've listed the top two biggest movies of the year. Like financially? Yeah. What was... Number one was, was Barbie. Number two is oh, Mario. Oh, yes. Yes, okay. So, yeah. The two... The only two movies that made a billion dollars this year. Good for Mario. Oh, yes. Not totally surprising, but like, you know, Mario's awesome. Oh, yes. So, yeah, that is my number five. Yes, so I guess I can go with my number five then. And my number five is the final installment of a franchise I always saw was a bit before our time. Like, I almost feel like our childhood kind of began in 1989, or at least the era of it, when you had, like, the Tim Burton Batman. The 90s started in 89, yeah. Yeah, I've always Tim Burton Batman, the start of Seinfeld, the start of uh, Urkel, the start of The Simpsons. I think the Super Nintendo was released in 1989. Let me check that. Oh, well, there you go. So, um, there are some franchises I That's feel correct. like, oh, well, there we go, are a bit before our time. And one of those franchises is Indiana Jones. Mm-hmm. I know it means a lot to a lot of people. <clears throat> For me, it just, yeah. I don't know if you felt the same way. It felt I, like one that was before us. Yeah, I'm in the same boat where, like, we've had so many just, like, blatant like 80s nostalgia heartstring pulling recently like stranger things which is great but it is that guardians of the galaxy um i don't know something like the most egregious examples like ready player one which is just a movie that is just purely just references to the 80s and nothing else or sorry movie i book and movie whatever um and all that stuff like i just I didn't grow up on those things. I didn't exist in the 80s. So I I, I don't know. Like, there are some things that I... I mean, like, Star Wars, or, like, you know, two and three. A few things Um, that are timeless, like Star Wars, Back to the Future. But, yeah. um, And, yeah, some video games that I went back and played and stand the test of time. But, like, I don't have a lot of nostalgia for a lot of that stuff. And even though I have seen all of the Indiana Jones movies... I've never rewatched them. I yeah. yeah, I yeah, they're good. Yeah, I've only seen the first one, the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, which I have no memory of, which I guess is a good thing. <laughs> and um, this new one, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Now, I remember just looking at like entertainment news online and seeing like because I think it premiered at the Cannes Film Festival. It premiered at some big film festival. And the reaction was not great. Oh. And then that kind of like killed a lot of enthusiasm for the movie. And it, it, it did turn out to be a flop. Like it lost money. Wow. But you know what? As someone who's not like a big like fan, like, um, like Spider-Man or Batman, I, I went in being like, you know what? That was pretty good. Like um, the action was really good. It had a really interesting story. Um, Harrison Ford was really good as Indiana Jones. Um, 
and like when when it was done as someone who doesn't know much about the character because i've only seen one of like the trill the original trilogy i was just like as someone who doesn't know a lot that felt like a satisfying ending for like people who are fans of the franchise like yeah yeah like you can walk away being like all right that is a satisfying ending versus like i mean i I like them but i can see why people are just like you know the star wars sequel trilogy not the most satisfying ending Mm -hmm. (laughs) to the for those characters yeah and it is it's almost like yeah those felt like they weren't even really trying to focus on making a satisfying ending for those characters, which yeah. I think is one of the reasons people have such strong opinions about them. Yeah. Cause like when well, you make, when you try and make these new characters, the star of the show, it can rub people the wrong way. Yeah. But, um, overall, you know, I, I thought it was good. So it goes to my number five movie of the year, Indiana Jones and the dial of destiny. Wowie. All right. So my number four, all these other movies, are, I think, are like, you know, they surpass that. It's good and to really great. I love all these movies. And this one is one I, I, I was very excited for it, but I don't think I necessarily uh, anticipated liking it as much as I did. I'm super pleasantly surprised that I liked it as much as I did. And a total flop, just like yours. <laughs> Which you informed uh, don't you, me. Don't of. you feel like so special now? Like, yeah. Yes, we like the um, not the box office, the ones that lose yeah. money, the true art movie. Yes. So, w- will we be getting a sequel to this? Uh, well, let's not expect anything, um, <laughs> because it's Dungeons and Dragons: Honor oh, Among yes. Thieves, which is. Like, I don't know. Like, people like this movie, but I think yeah. it's be- I think it's better than people give credit for. Like, they really, they really tried with this. It's not just like D and D is popular right now and they're cash grabbing. I mean, a little. I mean, I'm sure that was. <laughs> I'm sure that's a motivator. But like, they made a really, really good story. Oh dear God! Uh, do you want me to tell you your biggest fear? Because I was looking up the Rotten Tomatoes score for this Dungeons and Dragons movie. Do you know what's uh, back in theaters right now? Oh, what? I, I have no we, idea. We talked about it. Uh, la- our last unwanted answers Christmas. Jim Carrey Grinch. Oh, yes. <laughs> your favorite Christmas movie. The one, one that one I repressed. Oh, yes. Um indeed um but yeah dungeons and dragons honor among thieves um oh yeah by the way dungeons and dragons honor among thieves has a 91 percent rotten tomatoes yeah i mean it's it's really good i know it flopped but it like it, um and it is kind of just like a you know i guess like mcu style but good mcu like action romp that isn't like that deep or anything but it still has like a very strong uh you know emotional undertone to it um it really has like the fun and the drama of playing D in a really well told story and i brought this up early in the year on an episode and i think it might be the hill that i'm gonna die on because i want people to start talking about it oh okay that 
this movie is kind of it's kind of feels like not genre wise but it's kind of star wars like it's um a movie where they gather a band of heroes um who are powerful in different ways um they start from a lowly area of the universe and then you know they try to gather all the people together they go to sort of alien places and you see the culture of that place and all of the like um uh practical effect creatures in that place and uh then there's a heist to uh save the day like i don't know the movie it's kind of I guess I'm mostly just saying that it's like a genre of movie that is very much like the original Star Wars, but uh, like how the original Star Wars is um, like they didn't plan on it being that much bigger at the time. Uh, It was just kind of like a really well-written space opera romp like a space story with some interesting characters and an exciting story. Um, this feels like that. So I guess I'm just saying like, this is a like really good example of that type of movie. That's just like entertaining to a, like just melted down to a, to a core, just so solidly entertaining, like a movie that you could just watch over and over again. Cause it's just, um, should work so well in that way. Oh yes, but yeah. No real complaints about that movie at all, honestly. Yes, Dungeons and Dragons: Honor Among Thieves. That is right. Great movie. All right. So I guess if you're done with that, I'll go with my number four movie of the year. All right. And my number four movie of the year is boy. Let's keep on talking about flops. This is <laughs> box office wise a complete disaster. Oh. Um, it is the newest animated film from Disney, and it's been turned out to be quite divisive, and that is Wish. Oh, yeah. So, Wish, I thought, um, told a really interesting story. I think that basically, without giving too much away, because it is in theaters right now, although a lot of people don't seem to care because it's floppy, but whatever. <laughs> but, um, with Wish. I think it had some the story I was trying to tell, I think, is um one that anyone can find something in. And it's a story of like the people in this kingdom, they each have a wish, but they have an obstacle that keeps it from coming true. Yeah. And um I think her name is Ariane Du Bois. She was from West Side Story. I think she got an Oscar for it. She is the main character, Asha, and she was great. The standout, though, of the movie is Chris Pine's King Magnifico. Another. Yep, Chris two Pine. Chris Pine movies yeah. in a row. <laughs> is King Magnifico. And um, <clears throat> one thing that I felt that a lot of recent Disney anime, anime movies have done is it feels kind of like they focus more on like the songs of the movie and kind of build a story around that. But with Wish, it felt like the songs in the movie showed like what the character's motivations are and helped move the story forward. 
So, and I have to say, at first, I it does have a very different animation style compared to other Disney movies. And at first, I thought it looked a little cheap. But when you actually see on the big screen, that style of animation they use makes the like movements flow more better than any yeah. of the other ones. Interesting. So, yeah, overall, I think it's a great movie. Um, a few complaints. One, the humor in this movie is not very good. <laughs> Uh, that is something they struggled with. Like they have this one character, Valentino, who was voiced by Alan Tudyk, who we all know from the Harley Quinn show as Joker, and more importantly, yeah. our old buddy Clayface, my favorite character <laughs> in the show. And he's supposed to be comedy relief. And let's just be honest: the reason his comedy kind of works is because of Alan Tudyk's very enthusiastic Clayface-like delivery. <laughs> because Valentino sounds a bit like Clayface in the movie. <laughs> so um, that works. Um, there are one thing I was concerned about was you heard a lot of people talk about, oh, God, there's so many Easter eggs because it comes out during Disney's 100th anniversary. There are so mm. many Easter eggs. And I was a, a bit worried because, you know, I, I hate Easter eggs that don't have like a narrative purpose. Yeah. And there are there are some. There's one at the end that made me really go, guys, come on. Like, are you for real? Like, give me a break. But um they they weren't too distracting. There were some that were so on the nose that they became stupid, but it, it didn't like ruin the movie or whatever. But overall, despite how it is turning out to be a giant flop, um it, it, financially disaster it's it's still good so you know before they yank it from theaters you might want to go anyone listening (laughs) might as well just go check it out because i'll be honest i think it's their best in terms of disney animation i think it's their best movie since zootopia like you know i might get some hate but i don't care i think it's better than moana i think it's better than encanto i think it's better than ryan the last dragon so do hate do people hate it because of the references and it being so Disney dis like Disney on steroids or is it for more insidious internet reasons? Well, I mean, there's always those people, you know, yeah. those pathetic people who are so anti Mickey yeah. Mouse, like the governor of Florida, you know. Yeah. Um, who's just like, really, you want to run for president, but you. Your big thing is you tried to get into a fight with Mickey Mouse. Well, let me, let's, let's just put this out there, okay? If if there was like a debate between Ron, is his name Ron DeSantis, Ron DeSantis. the governor of Florida? Yeah. They make no mistake. Mickey Mouse would go up into him and say, "Hey, listen, Ron, you are nothing without me." Let, let's go even further. <laughs> hey, Ron, you're my bitch. Forget that. Yeah, that's true. Good old putting fingers, Ron. Yeah. <clears throat> So, um, there's that, but it just, honestly, I, when I look at like the act, like critics, it just kind of feels like they saw something different than I did. <laughs> like, yeah. they're like, well, you know, the plot isn't like people, I heard one talking about like King Magnifico's motivation about his lack of motivation. I'm like, but, 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 but it shows it. I'm just yeah. Like, it just is like, it's like divide. It's more like divide. Critics aren't liking it. It's more dividing fans. And like whenever I see like actual negative views, not, you know, the little crybabies, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. But 
it just feels like it's just one of those like very divisive movies where like people are seeing different things. Like it's almost a Rorschach mm. test or something. Yeah, it's interesting when movies are like that. I will say like, and this could be uh, indicative of why it's fun. Not that it, not that it would be advertised to me in general, but I don't. I think I didn't know about this movie at all until I saw your post about it. Honestly, because of like other stuff I do, if I wasn't looking up entertainment news. Yeah. I wouldn't have gone to see this movie because Disney did. I'll just, they did a terrible job marketing this movie. Yeah. It's weird. I like they didn't tell didn't you what it was it. about. It was just like, if I wasn't like doing stuff like comment section, looking up entertainment news all the time, I would have, I would have skipped this movie. Yeah. It's because I was like constantly looking for stuff that. Yeah. I and ended that's, up going and, that, and that's super weird. Cause it's Disney and it's basically like, I mean, it's basically in a sense, like a follow-up to frozen. Like it's a Disney animated movie. Like how yeah, could like it not be huge from the co-director of frozen? Yeah. And the other co-director worked on the screenplay. It just, I yeah. Don't know what happened? Yeah. It's weird. The only thing that struck me when I was first looked like, what is this? Um, is that it almost, it really does, and I don't have anything to neg- negative to say because I didn't see it. And I do like some Disney animated movies, so I'm not just being a hater. But it does seem like a movie around branding Disney, like Wish Upon a Star. Like, it feels yeah. so and like that, they, that was a turnoff for me, too, at first. Yeah. It's just like, it's like the Disney movie. Like, that. it felt like they were trying to just make a movie to further brand Disney to like to further the, it's like a marketing movie again, yeah. it's nothing negative, but that's like an impression that one could get from looking at the marketing. Yeah. Honestly, from the marketing, I almost would have thought, and they didn't do this. Thank God. They did some other really stupid Easter eggs. Um, but, um, which is like the worst thing about the movie, but you'd almost think like, Oh, this is the origin of the wishing star that you see in Pinocchio and the princess and the frog. And luckily, yeah. see, it's all canon. Guys. Yeah. Not, not everything the needs to Disney be a multiverse. cinematic universe. It's yeah. That's kind of a, a mantra that many, including me have now It's not everything needs to be a cinematic universe. Yes. Of course our shows are, but yes, they are, but they, that came naturally. So yes. We, we didn't yeah. plan it from the beginning. It just, we kind of fell into yes, it. Yes, of course. So, um, yeah. Um, interesting. So, Wish, number... Wish. What number was that? Number four. Number four. So, oh, three now. we won't have to talk about my number three and my top three for long because we already talked about it ad nauseum a callback in the same episode that's right my number three is spider-man across the spider-verse that's a good poster yeah that's an awesome poster um uh yeah obviously one of my most anticipated movies of the year i at the beginning of the year if i had to guess i would have been like if i had to guess what my number one movie of the year is it might be this just kind of like, you know, in hopes that it would be super good. So number three isn't bad. Like that I love this movie. Um, but you know, the it feeling like it's not totally complete. Some of those things I said, um, keep it from being uh my number one of the year. But the recipe is there to make this one of my favorite 
trilogies ever. One of my definitely, certainly one of my favorite superhero trilogies ever. So, um, yeah, Across the Spider Verse is amazing. That's all I'll say. Would you also say it's spectacular and sensational? I would say it's amazing, <laughs> spectacular, sensational, and quite good. Oh, yes. <laughs> I mean, we did, not to just brush off Spider-Man to, across the spiders, but we did just do a whole thing about it. Yeah, I wanted to actually, like, sometimes I'll be like, I won't talk about this a lot because we just talked about it, and then I will talk about it a lot. So, you <laughs> yeah. know, just trying to be good. We did talk about it enough. So, yes, it's a fantastic movie. Like, insert every if you want to go back and just listen to what I said again. <laughs> yes, that's Hit everything that replay I replayed. Yes, okay, go ahead and rewind, guys. It's okay. Yes, it's okay. Just make sure you make it back here because yes. you're really gonna want to hear number three. Oh, yes, yeah. So, my my number three is a remake speaking of how i think i was it probably this episode i talked about how our childhood it feels like it began the 90s began in 1989 yeah this was a remake of an animated movie from 1989 and my now despite how i think most live action disney movies are awful um, Haunted Mansion being the latest. Yeah. Um, they do overall do a pretty good job with their anime, with their live action remakes. And this year, we got what I consider to be their best one, which is The Little Mermaid. So, this movie did like a great job of adapting the original 1989 movie. Um, Haley Bailey did a great job as Ariel, both because when you think about it, she had to do both like speaking and singing while also having to do facial expressions when she lost her voice. And she did a great job. Honestly, if the color purple movie um, is great, she will be the breakout star of the year or at least one of them. Like she's a great discovery. Mm -hmm. um the dude who played prince eric i'm forgetting his name no offense dude but <laughs> I, i'm forgetting off the top of my head he was great too um but the and there's not a lot to say because we've all seen the original 1989 anime movie yeah, kicked that. off the disney renaissance <laughs> um obviously it's not as good as the animated movie but it's still good on, on its own and the thing that sets it apart from other live action Disney remakes is that most of the time, even in the live action Aladdin, which I thought was really good with Will Smith, um, the stuff from the anime movie, great. The new stuff they had sucks. With The Little Mermaid, this was the first time that the new stuff added to the story. Nice. Like the new additions added, plussed it, and just made this live action movie it just added more to this live action movie and made it a real special uh event so it was a overall a great tribute to the movie that kicked off the disney renaissance era now look i always say you know it doesn't matter how good or bad these live action disney movies are in a year they'll be forgotten and mm. it kind of feels like it's already started to happen with this one yeah but um Overall, I just say other live action ones, I think it's their best one. So 
There we go. My number three is the live action remake of The Little Mermaid. Cool. Um, yeah, well, I'm I'm obviously I'm never gonna watch any of these. Have no interest. Probably never watched <laughs> any of them. But this looks like one of the better ones to me. So, um, so we're to our top two. That means they are really good. And mine is mine's a doozy to talk about because it is. Um, uh well it's a doozy of a movie it's very weird um and it was also when i in the upcoming 2023 that we recorded last year one of my most anticipated movies of the year it was another movie that i thought could this be my favorite movie of the year and it made it to number two yeah i made it to number two um which uh slight spoiler alert my number one is one that i didn't even know about until like it came out <laughs> but my number two is um a movie that i love because i am pretentious <laughs> and it barely oh, napoleon it, this movie <laughs> barely qualifies as a movie it is uh critics are saying that it is pretentious drivel that has no narrative and barely qualifies as a movie. That I'm is what I hyped. that is what I imagine people would say because Bo is afraid is just an absolute fever oh, dream wow. <laughs> nightmare. Um the reason why I anticipated this so much is because it is directed by Ari Aster who directed Hereditary which is my number one movie of that year. And I think one of the greatest horror movies, Midsummer, which even though that was number three that year, I, as time went on and I rewatched it a couple of times, I would call that my favorite movie of all time. Now I've mentioned that before that Midsummer is, I decided like maybe a couple of years ago, um, that just was like, I had a year where I just, I rewatched it a couple of times and I was like, this is my favorite movie of all time. And so this is his third um, feature-length movie as a director. <clears throat> Midsummer is a weird movie that pretentious people like me like. This is like the movie that even a bunch of people who like that movie, this will be too much. This will just <laughs> be too weird. Um, so it's divisive because of that. Um, I've seen lots of negative comments, but another perfect example of when I would read the reasons people hate it, I would be like, I know I'm going to like this. Um, because, um, I don't know. The, the movie is essentially stars Joaquin Phoenix as Bo. And it is just a movie that totally centers around him as a character, like a character piece about this man who suffers from, seemingly extreme anxiety and paranoia and has suffered a lot in his life and it manifests in various ways. Um, but like, you know, it starts with him just simply he's living at an apartment alone. He seems like a very lonely person. He seems to have a strained relationship with his mother and it seems like the neighborhood he lives in is really horrifying and dangerous. And you're slowly starting to wonder what's real or not. Like, 
are certain things just a manifestation of his anxiety? Is it really r- real stuff he's hearing outside and like uh, seeing? Or is it just like, you know, a metaphor for his anxiety? Um, and it starts in that very like still kind of abstract, but you know, grounded place and just keeps getting weirder and weirder and more nightmarish. The thing is like, I wouldn't overtly say that this is just like, this is a horror movie. It would almost be misleading to say this is just a horror movie. It's just like a drama character piece that spans several different, um, narrative points of this guy's life. Um, there's some flashbacks, something that's like a flash forward, but it's more like an imagined future. Um, uh, but the reason why it's super divisive, I think, is because it's one of those movies that's so artsy and experimental <laughs> and like metaphorical that it starts to approach like not having a coherent narrative at all. And like, like uh, I've noticed with a lot of movies like this that I like when I explain why I like it and what I think it means, people are like, that sounds really good. Unfortunately, when I watched it, it was complete. <laughs> like, like that's not how it felt watching it. Because when I watched it, it was complete like blob, just a dribble of r- random stuff that happened. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I haven't really seen a movie that so effectively feels like a nightmare before. I feel like 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 when it switches scenes and you're suddenly kind of like moving on from that place to a totally different place. And it kind of doesn't really make sense how you got there. And then like the things that are happening, uh, just seem out of nowhere. Like it feels very like a nightmare. Like you're jumping around having different dreams. Um, that's not to say that this movie is necessarily a nightmare that he's having. That's a theory, but I don't necessarily think that's my opinion. Um, because it is a movie, it can be real, but it's a metaphor. Like there are a lot of ways to interpret this movie, but it's no matter what the truth of what really happened in the movie, it still very much feels like a nightmare. And I haven't really. It's one of the best examples I've seen. I think of like simulating anxiety and paranoia, like um, uh. I don't know. There's something very almost touching, like in a way that like, I felt like I related and like, like it almost like it could be helpful for helpful for me to kind of like with my own anxiety to kind of absorb this movie and think about what it means. Because I thought one of the most interesting things about this movie and kind of my takeaway after only seeing it once and just thinking about it for a long time is that it kind of feels like a movie where every single thing that happens to him is what his anxiety and paranoia riddled mind would think the thing that would happen would be like. So for example, if you pick up the phone and you're trying to call your mom 
and she doesn't answer, someone with really bad anxiety might think she's dead. Oh my God. In this movie, it's like she really did die from something crazy that just doesn't even make any sense. Um, Which for some people might be like, is this bad writing? Because the things that are happening are really stupid. But if you're thinking of it as like a nightmarish anxiety fueled dream or someone whose life is just what their anxious thoughts are manifesting, then you have to kind of realize that in our own brains, especially people who have a lot of anxiety, um, a lot of the thoughts that you have about what could happen are extremely irrational. They feel very real, but they feel, but like it is very irrational that if that really happened, if you thought, if you really thought about like, okay, what if this horrifying thought that I had just had, what if that really happened? And the truth is, if that really happened, you would be a bad screenwriter. (laughs) You would, uh, (laughs) screenplay writer, like you would, um, you uh, would be creating a narrative where things happen that just come out of nowhere and don't make any sense. Um, And so in that way, I thought it was very good at uh, uh, kind of representing that uh, feeling. There's some things that happen towards the end of this movie that like, if I were to say, describe what happened, you would not believe me. It's... (laughs) um, I almost, since you'll probably never see this movie, would almost recommend like reading a, the Wikipedia synopsis because you'll just <laughs> not believe the descriptions of the things that are happening. Like, how, excuse me? I am um, curious now. <laughs> there's one thing in particular that as I was watching it, like my jaw dropped. I was like, what? Are, like, even like, I'm not someone who typically responds with like, who thought of this? Are they like, I've always hated the like, Oh, they must've had to be on drugs to come up with this. (laughs) But like, even for me, I was like, what is happening? Um, but I loved that. Um, but needless to say, it's one of the strangest movies I've ever seen. I kind of hope that his next movie grounds a little more, maybe peels back a little little more. I guess what I'm saying is that like, look, I, this is actually a thought I like a lot of people hate movies like this because they think it's just pretentious, like stuff for critics, but critics didn't even like it that much. This is like 67% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, it has a bit of a mixed reaction. Yeah. So this is too much for even critics. Um, but yeah, a lot of people don't like stuff like this, and that's fine. I, I don't like people writing it off as pretentious and saying and like acting like movies like this shouldn't even exist. Like, as that's the the attitude I see a lot is people being like, "That movie sucks so much. Why would someone make something like that? Just like you, what? Just tell a story." And I guess my feeling is like, I almost always want movies to be more grounded and to just tell a story and for it to be an interesting story that engages me, that makes me feel something. It doesn't need to be so metaphorical and literary and feel like you're in English class all the time. (laughs) Like most of the time, that is what I want is a normal movie. But like 
I just feel like it's okay that at least like maybe one, maybe 0.1% of movies do something else. And when I want a movie that is more of a like thinker, not really like forwardly understandable, but something that you can have fun analyzing and just taking it in as a series of emotions rather than a series of events that make a narrative. That's really interesting. And I'm really glad that stuff like that exists. So I just don't always love when people almost act as like movies like this or art like this is bad and like shouldn't exist. And is like, you know, just a director like circle jerking with like, ideas that like it's easy to make fun of this kind of thing it's almost like modern art like people make fun of like when there's just like a painting that is just red or you know some kind of modern art thing like that um and like usually when you hear the stories about why pieces like that are made it's very interesting but like you kind of need that context and it's okay that a lot of people don't want to need to have a manual to appreciate the movie or art that they're like experiencing. That's fine. But I'm glad that some is like that because I think it's really gratifying to dig into stuff like this. Um, so yeah, that's my whole spiel on this kind of movie in general and justifying why I would like something like this because it was, I think really, really good. That said, probably like it less than Midsummer and Hereditary as far as the whole canon of Ari Aster is concerned. But three incredible movies from this director becoming one of my favorite directors. Um, I will say, though, I remember Midsummer started out lower. It was a little weird for me. I didn't totally like resonate with it at first. As time went on, like the, the 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 hard to dissect nature of it made it more gratifying on future watches. So I have my eye out for this movie that maybe I'll like it 10 times more two years from now. Um, or I'll realize that there's nothing really there. Like it, it's hard to tell, <laughs> but um, that's Bo is afraid and what a movie. Oh yes. It sounds like it. Oh, yeah. Quite the journey indeed. Yeah, that's to say the least. All right. So I guess I will go to my number two then. And my number two is the latest film from the DC Extended Universe. No, not Aquaman. Because like I said, we were recording this before that movie comes out. And we know it's not going to be up there. So why even <laughs> bother? No. Yep. I'm talking about Blue Beetle. That's right. So Blue Beetle's a character that I only knew a little bit about from Batman the Brave and the Bold and the Young Justice animated series. But... After um, another DC movie that had like really big stakes um, that maybe we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, this one really went small scale and it was like really refreshing after kind of having like 
multiverse and time travel. And also we had that in Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse. This was a small scale story about a dude who wants to try to protect his family. Um, um, I forgetting what the dude's name is, but I think it's Sholo something. He's from Cobra Kai, but he did a great job playing Jaime Reyes in this movie. And it felt like it did kind of like what a lot of the great Marvel movies did of showing him both being a superhero and also struggling with like his personal life. Um, George Lopez was also a standout as his uncle Rudy. And um, there's not a lot to say about it. Cause I'm, I don't know that much about blue beetle, but overall I would say that this version of blue beetle is up there as one of like the DCEU's best characters. So um, again, I felt like the DCEU kind of pretty much ended with the flash, but this was a nice epilogue. Like here's a bonus thing. So yeah, apparently James Gunn has said that he plans to still use um, Sholo as blue beetle in the, uh, coming DCU, we'll see. Because uh, sadly, this movie flopped. It flopped big time, <laughs> like, like all DC movies have this year, and also a Marvel movie did this year too. Hmm. Um, so we'll see. But I mean, if he does come back, that would be great to see. But um, overall, I would say one of uh, the DCU stronger movies. Like I would say it's it's up there with like Wonder Woman and stuff like that. So nice. Overall, a, a nice, uh, good DC movie. A nice palate cleanser after kind of having like some real big stakes superhero movies lately. Very nice. <clears throat> Sweet. Yeah, wouldn't have expected, you know, that uh, flop of a movie. Just I haven't seen it, but um, I do remember you talking about liking it. So that's cool. Oh yes. <clears throat> Now I think this is the this is it. This is the big this reveal. Is the big one. Man, this is the big one. Ooh. And this is like closing out our lists entirely until we talk about upcoming stuff. So wow. Yes. I, we better really I don't even savor. know what yours is gonna be. Well, I did talk about it, I think, on a previous episode. And it is something that I, I didn't talk about a lot or like in the upcoming or anything because I didn't know that it existed. I think that hmm i guess i don't I, I don't know much about the story of this being made i know that it's a movie that was made in australia australia and oh, yes. uh produced by a24 big shocker okay everyone make fun of me for being so predictable um i'm really afraid, i'm really trying afraid, to go through was afraid was too. what it could be um so my number one movie of 2023 my favorite movie of 2023 is also the only movie that i saw in theaters in 2023 because i didn't hear about it at all and then suddenly there's some marketing for it and everyone was saying it was so good and it was a horror movie and so i was like okay i have to see this sounds like a good movie going experience a reason to go back to the movie theater and in I did. Was, I think you may have mentioned it, but I, I yeah, can't remember. And I, I, uh, I did, and uh, I did with some friends, and I was so 
pleasantly surprised to find my favorite movie of 2023, which is called Talk to Me. Which is the movie with the hand and all the marketing that you might have seen. <laughs> um, which is some movie I like knew nothing about going in. And um boy, uh I like a, how the person in the poster just seems a little uninterested. Like everyone has their phones out. She's just yeah. like Yeah. Well, is, as you can see, her eyes are totally black, so she's currently being possessed. Oh, well, I guess that explains a bit. Yeah. Um, so total psychological horror um certainly really uh crazy and uh like metaphorical and stuff but not quite anywhere near the level of like a bow's afraid because uh, this is a very straightforwardly enjoyable horror movie um i one of the most impactful like stories and like you know underlying stories of a horror movie i've seen in a while which is what made it my number one but also what made it my number one i've been trying to think of a good way to say this because i kind of hate when people say like the cinematography was amazing it's like (laughs) okay you uh you saw a movie once and now you think you're a movie critic saying cinematography was good the cinematography but there's something about the way it was shot and the like um basically the the crux of the movie is that you know there's some teenagers and there's almost like a tiktok trend kind of thing um which being like current day referential in a movie is a tricky line to do, but like it worked in this movie really well. Um, and it's also Australian teens and I don't know how Australian teens act, so I don't know if it's realistic. (laughs) Um, but it's like, there's this like internet trend of like people getting possessed and like braving this challenge or like talk to me challenge or something like that. And uh, it turns out really kind of how it started is there are some teens that have this like supposedly possessed hand sculpture. And the rumor is that if you hold its hand and say, talk to me um, and do something, some ritual that you will get possessed and like a a demon or someone, a, a dead person will like talk through you you'll be possessed and uh you know moral of the story is it seems to be kind of a metaphor for drugs because all the teens are passing around the hand and like getting possessed um but uh like for there's something about like the possession that like is thrilling to them and exhilarating feels kind of dangerous and so things get taken a little bit too far obviously and that's kind of where the main like drama of the movie starts to take place is when things start to go a little too far um and it gets really bad and uh that's all i'll say in terms of that because i do think people should see this um but yeah uh, as i was saying with the like the way the movie was kind of shot 
there were a lot of scenes like towards the beginning where um like the teens are all gathering and they're like blasting music and recording it all with their cameras and they're taking turns getting possessed by this hand um that it like the the way it's shot just feels so captivating and almost like hypnotizing and it's all so fast and like moving around and dizzying and it just really makes you feel in the moment with them so that when it suddenly twists and turns dark it feels like all the more like if all those scenes have this really incredible tension where they're all having a good time but you know something is about to go wrong and then when something inevitably does go wrong there's a moment like kind of kind of the moment like i would say um hereditary is a movie that has a moment in it and if someone has seen that movie they know what i'm talking about where it's like such an unbelievable shocking horrific moment not in just like a horror movie like jump scare kind of way like something that is viscerally disgustingly horrifying that totally changes the movie that's i think the reason why hereditary kind of became so talked about when it was airing uh that sounds like it's a tv show what's the when it was playing <laughs> it was in released theater, when it was playing in theaters because it has that moment that people are just like you got to see it something happens that's crazy and yeah like it's, it's something where if you watch it you will know what i'm talking about there's no doubt that you would not know what i'm talking about if you watch it this movie kind of has one of those moments to me where it's just like a before and after moment when it's like all this tension and build up for like a third of the movie. And then something happens. And because there was so much tension and build up leading up to it, that moment when it finally strikes is like, uh, like you just completely clench all your muscles. The movie theater gets totally quiet. And my mouth just kind of opens as I'm witnessing something (laughs) completely horrifying happening. But like, it's a psychological horror movie. So, you know, horrifying and like, you know, there's not, there's not like a squid monster or anything. Um, So because of the nature of a movie like that, that's why I never really like to spoil or talk too much about the details of movies like this. Um, but yeah, for the same reason that a movie like Hereditary was my favorite movie of that year, this, um, gives me feelings like that. It's, uh, a good psychological horror for different reasons, but kind of gives me a lot of the same tension and anxiety and a good story to boot. So that will be my number one movie of the year. Something I didn't know until, you know, August or September or something when it came out. And then when I saw it, I was in the theater very quickly. Like, yeah, I get it. I get why this is so praised. <laughs> this is so good. And I would say like it, it, it stuck the landing too. it. Like, um, uh 
um the some stuff towards the end um without explicitly spoiling it was kind of one thing that i've always loved in horror movies that kind of gets me which is death premonitions something about it is so scary to me there's another couple movies that came to mind as i was watching it that have like things where you like you realize later that that was a death premonition that that person was experiencing um that kind of stuff is really creepy to me so it was also kind of one of the scariest movies i've seen in a long time oh yes talk to me oh yes your number one movie of the year Mm-hmm. well i guess i, I know what yours is gonna one. be what i know what yours is gonna be Oh, yes. My number one movie of the year is probably the most controversial movie of the year. (laughs) Because some people really like it. Some people really hate it. Um, Flopped at the box office. Just flopped hard. Um, But yet, for me, it, it was a real special movie. And that is my number one movie of the year is The Flash. That's right. So it is kind of a tale of two movies. There's the Flashpoint movie, and there's also the return of Michael Keaton as Batman. So I guess, because let's be honest, that's the thing most people care about. I guess I'll kind of talk about my thoughts about Michael Keaton's return as Batman before um, I go into how it was just as a Flashpoint adaption. By the way, um, I'm sure you don't care. Um, the movie's been out for a while. I'm going to spoil stuff, including the big cameo at yeah, the end. At, at this point, I can't protest. I, I yeah. had I had like a marathon of trying to catch up on a lot of movies that I wanted to see very recently. And I just ran out of time before getting to this one. And I also... Not an insult but I don't care about spoilers that much, honestly. Okay. I, I don't know. Like some movies I'm just like, I don't think it would ruin it to have spoilers. Like it would still be enjoyable to watch. I mean, do you know what the big cameo is? Um, no. You have heard of at some point, but I may, I don't know. Maybe it's something where if I did hear it, I would know, um, okay. but I can't, I don't know. All right. So I'll talk about like the return of Michael Keaton as Batman. Now, the return of Michael Keaton as Batman, as everyone knows, Michael Keaton is my favorite live action Batman. Like he is the goat. And um, I, I, I've had like kind of a roller coaster of emotions in the countdown to this movie because yeah. when it was first announced, as you, if you go back now, a little bit of backstory, Michael Keaton returning as Batman has been like something I've been wanting since like 2012. Like ever since like, um, Kind of thinking, like, what's next for the Batman franchise? I've been like, man, I would love Michael Keaton to come back into a Dark Knight Returns movie. Or, man, I would love for him to come back into Batman Beyond. So, roller coaster emotions. When it was announced he was coming back for The Flash, I at first didn't want it to happen. Because it came, that news came out, like, a few months after the CW's Crisis on Infinite Earths. Which I was really looking forward to, which had Tom Welling and Kevin Conroy, and it just sucked. It was kind of a waste of time. I just like, 
don't just do what you did in Crisis to Michael Keaton as Batman. But then we heard this isn't just going to be a one-off. He's coming back full-time. He's going to replace Ben Affleck as Batman because we found out he's going to be in the Batgirl movie. And then we also heard rumblings that he was going to be in Aquaman 2. And then, actually, I think it was a year ago, we found out what was the game plan? What was the thing we were going to get? We were going to get Batman Beyond Beyond movie with Michael Keaton as old Bruce Wayne. And then Discovery bought Warner Brothers and ran that company into the ground. Um, and they canceled Batgirl, even though they should have canceled Shazam 2. And maybe they should have canceled Aquaman 2, but they canceled Batgirl. We knew Michael Keaton's appearance from Aquaman was scrapped. So it went from, we got this whole big future to now just down to this one movie. And, but here's the thing. Once we got into, um, and we'd heard that they were going to chain, there were, there were talks about like under James Gunn and Peter Safran who had taken over. They were going to tweak some certain things, including the ending. So, you know, roller coaster of emotions. And then I kind of had this realization of just like flashpoint. Just being like, you know, if this is a flashpoint movie, this can't be the same Batman from those Tim Burton movies. It just it just can't be. And then we saw the trailers, and I was just like, okay, you know what? There's no way it can be him. Also, we'd heard that um by the way, this did bother me a little bit, but I didn't talk about it. How, like, they weren't going to reference the Schumacher movies, even though it's the same version, which did bother me a little bit. Because I'm like, but but that's that makes it feel whole, you know? But Yeah. But so in a way, it was kind of like, well, we already know he's not really that same Batman. But <laughs> in so but then I kind of saw the trailers. And I was like, you know what? We're getting a Flashpoint movie with Michael Keaton as Batman. I mean, really, when you look at it in context, it's basically he's filling in for Ben Affleck. So that was kind of like where I went, how I went into it. And I thought Michael Keaton, like, there's no definition. He is the standout. And if anything, this once again showed that he is the best live-action Batman actor we've ever had. Now, to be fair... If this had just if this story had been like Batman five or three, however you want to look at it, and I just read like kind of a summary, I'd be like, well, that sucks. But here's the thing. When you watch the movie, he clearly is not meant to be like the the classic Batman. Like this is a Batman who lives in a world where he stops being Batman because you know all crime from Gotham City was gone. This is a Batman who lives in a world where Superman died as an infant. It's a world where um, Aquaman's lighthouse father never met Nicole Kidman. And um, Arthur Curry was never born. So clearly it is not meant to be the same, the same Batman. Even if they had still gone through with Batgirl and Aquaman. The Batman in the Flash movie when you know the context, it can't be the same Batman who was going to be in Batgirl and Aquaman or the Tim Burton movies. So I was just like, all right, cool. It's just going to be Michael Keaton as Batman again. 
great. And he's the standout. And I knew from the Flashpoint storyline, like there's going to have to be a scene that shows where he dies because you're going to have to show something that shows that um, this world that Barry created when he saved his mom isn't going to exist. Like it is destined to be destroyed. And we do get that. So you see Michael Keaton, they kill off Michael Keaton's Batman. So, and I was just like, darn. But I still, but it was still just like, but we know he was still supposed to be in more. So maybe we can still get kind of like, we had our Flashpoint Batman. Maybe we'll get an appearance from the real Michael Keaton Batman. And then everything goes back to normal. And at the end of the movie, they show um, a courthouse scene. And that was important because our first set photos of Michael Keaton on the Flash movie were at the court. <laughs> yeah. So I was just like, okay, are we going to get the real Michael Keaton Batman? Yeah. And we see two. So Bruce Wayne drives up to the courthouse and gets out and you see two feet step out. So you don't see who it is. Is it Ben Affleck or is it Michael Keaton? It's neither. It's George Clooney. So George Clooney comes out and just like, no, that is the same version that George Clooney (laughs) is the Michael Keaton version. Yeah. So, um, how, so, and also, um, it is kind of like a, you kind of split the difference when you think about how Michael Keaton's in his seventies, Ben Affleck's in his fifties, George Clooney, 60 year old George Clooney kind of splits the difference. So, um, so for me, how was it as the return of Michael Keaton as Batman? Was it the story I wanted? No. Was it the type of return I wanted? Knowing that there was going to be more, but then got canceled? No. And if this had been like a one and done type plan, they wouldn't have done a Flashpoint movie. But I can say that when I watch it, and also I think a lot of people forget who are upset about how they killed off Michael Keaton as Batman. George Clooney is Michael Keaton's Batman. Like, they are the same character. So, for me, it was like, um, I think, I feel that, like, as a fan, The Flash makes, you know, as a Batman fan, we are better off having The Flash movie exist with Michael Keaton and George Clooney. And And by the way, it doesn't change the fact that it is still, like, before the Flash movie, it did still end with George Clooney and Batman and Robin. And this just, par for the course, just keeps it the same. It is nice how the Schumacher era was referenced too. Although, the reason was stupid. The reason they did that was just to have a third Batman in there. That was a decision by James Gunn and Peter Safran. Even though, to be honest, having Michael Keaton at the end makes more narrative sense. But, um, but, um, yeah, so overall, I mean, really, when you think about the only really canon scene to those old Burton Schumacher movies is the George Clooney scene. And maybe, like, you can kind of take a grain of salt, like, maybe, like, some events from the Flashpoint universe did happen. Like, maybe the Flash brought Bruce Wayne out of retirement. But, um, but overall, I gotta say, one great one of my favorite scenes of Michael Keaton ever as Batman is in this movie. It really shows his motivation because it was kind of, you know what? It was the Dark Knight Rises done right. 
No. <laughs> That's how it was. Because you see Batman come out of retirement. And why does he come out of retirement in The Dark Knight Rises? Do you remember why? Um, wait, what was the question? Why you... does Batman, why does Bruce Wayne come out of retirement as Batman in The Dark Knight Rises? Um, why does he come out? Well, that movie did such a poor job at explaining things to me. So I remember it's something stupid. Um, comes out of retirement. Um, I mean, he climbs out of a hole. That's all I, I remember. <laughs> it's because so. Catwoman stole his mom's pearls. Oh, oh, yeah. And in the Flash movie, there's this great, it's like maybe like one of my top five favorite Michael Keaton bruce wayne scenes where like flash tells him about how he the reason like everything's weird now is because he went back in time to save his mom and michael Keane's batman gives a great monologue that shows his motivation where he talks about i lost my parents when i was young and um i've been spent i spent my whole life fighting crime you know as if fighting crime would bring my parents back and then he turns to flash and it's just like you actually did it and the reason why he's willing to help Flash and why he comes out of retirement is to help Flash save his mom. Like, yeah, that's a good reason. It, it just perfectly shows what is Bruce Wayne's motivation. And um, so, yeah, I know we talked a lot about Michael Keane's Batman in the movie, but let's be honest, that's what most people care about. Um, as a Flashpoint adaption, I thought it was great. Also, Ben Affleck. Great again. Um, there's a scene in there with between Bruce and and Barry Allen, which is my favorite Ben Affleck Batman scene. You know, in retrospect, I think maybe introducing Ben Affleck's Batman BVS was a mistake. Like when you look at like Justice League and Flash, he's such the classic Batman versus in BVS. He's like this darker version who becomes the guy he once was. So I think maybe mm-hmm. if they had done a Ben Affleck move, Batman movie before BVS, which they should have done set rises. Maybe that could have like changed history, but yeah. Yeah. But um, overall, yeah, I, for me, the flash is easily DC's best movie since the dark Knight. It's the best DC EU movie we've ever had. Although ironically, the two best parts of the movie, you know, having, um, Michael Keaton returns Batman and a scene where Flash says goodbye to his mom. Ironically, the same year they had something like that in the best DCEU movie, the Arrowverse did it better in the final season of (laughs) Flash, which kind of sums up the past decade. But either way, um, it's great. Um, I loved it. I wouldn't watch it as Batman 5 because it is a Flash movie with multiverse and all that. Yeah, and really the only canon scene is the last scene, but um, overall, I just someone who had such a roller coaster emotions. I was, I'm very happy it exists, and seeing Michael Keaton back in the suit on the big screen like that is something I'll always remember. Also, his best action scene is in this movie where he fights the Russian army or whatever it was. Very cool. It does. It does yes. sound pretty good to me. But yeah, well, I'll see. Uh, I didn't know about that cameo. Oh so, yes. Yeah, it doesn't ruin anything for me. That makes me more excited to when I finally At watch first, it. I thought it was fake because I like. There's <laughs> no way 
he he's gonna come back after he's moaned and complained. I get it. There are yeah. some reviews I read when from Batman and Robin that were kind of like mean. Like yeah. just like, man, they are really giving it to him. Yeah, yeah. Look, he's not as good as Keaton or Val Kilmer or Ben Affleck, but you know, mm-hmm. still better than Christian Bale. But yeah. um but um he did and he, he was he was really good. Yeah. So um do, do I would I prefer the original ending with Michael Keaton? Yes, but I'll, I'll be honest. I've always kind of been like, man, I wish we could have had another movie with George Clooney as Batman. And there we go. Yeah. Well, yeah. Number one. Yes. Wow. We. There we go. What a journey it's been through 2023. What a journey. Uh, for for whatever reason, felt like a unique list this year to me. I mean, I mean, I guess in a way, I almost always like have an animated movie, a horror movie in there somewhere. But something felt just kind of unique and special about my favorite movies this year. Just kind of, I guess they're just kind of everything represented of stuff that I like. Oh yes. <clears throat> so guys, there we go with our. Best of 2023. That's right. The year is coming to a close. But as always, once a new year begins, do you know what that means? That means there's more opportunity to fall down that rabbit hole. And you know, in 2024, it's going to be, there's going to be so many. You're just going to constantly keep falling and tripping That's right. through all of 2024. And we are looking forward to that for you. That's so right. Guys, yes. You're going to find that there's another hole inside the rabbit hole. Oh, and yes. then it just becomes like a multiverse of falling through different holes. Oh, yes. Those holes become portals. Like a Mario warp pipe. Oh, exactly. So, guys, there we go. Happy end of 2023 onwards to 2024. And always remember, even in a new year, to keep falling down that rabbit rabbit hole. hole.